At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. The Roswell Roots Festival is a month-long series of events each winter in honor of Black History Month. This year's robust lineup features storytelling and drumming, theatrical performance, and spoken word visual art, music, and more. Later this hour, we'll have an overview of festival highlights from Roswell Cultural Arts Supervisor Corinne Sutherland and the award-winning spoken word artist Ashley Hayes. Plus, speaking of music, our series of local musicians Today features Austin Robb and Chris Parker of the Warsaw Clinic. First, the new cocktail bar Mambo Zombie takes cues from the afterlife and holidays like the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. The owners of Joystick Game Bar, Johnny Martinez and Brandon Lye, partnered with Keisha Cyrus to open this spooky space last September. It's located above the Georgia Beer Garden off Edgewood. Johnny, Brandon, and Keisha all join me now via Zoom. Welcome to City Lights. Hello. Thank you so much. Hello. Yeah, thank you, thank you Lois. That was exciting, Lois. Right? this is so cool i don't know well it's cool to have you here i'm curious how the three of you connected well we were all in prison together a long time ago (laughs) yeah johnny and i uh got committed into the women's prison uh where we met keisha who was the warden at the time she sure seems soft-hearted for a warden. <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't last long in that ah, job. Okay. We all met kind of separately, I guess. Uh, Keisha and I met when we started working together behind the bar over at Surpass True Food Restaurant, which has unfortunately closed since. It was a great restaurant. And I had known Johnny for several, several years before that when, oh, that's right, when I was working at Sun in My Belly over in Kirkwood, and he was uh, regularly coming in, and we just became friends from that. And at some point, Keisha and Johnny met. I don't really know 
don't remember how that I happened. I think it was when Johnny came to visit you at the bar. And then I just met Johnny that way. Yes, I feel like it was either at the bar or at a Halloween party, which would be appropriate, I think, at this point. It was a social setting. It was either work or doing something, but then we became fast friends after that. Yeah. Ah, now you mentioned a Halloween party. Would you tell us the inspiration behind Mambo Zombie? Sure. Uh, You know, I think Mambo, it's supposed to be a celebration of the afterlife of the people who have passed. Uh, you mentioned Dia de los Muertos, and there's a lot of cultures around the world that that have something similar in place, right? Uh, I think we're unique in America where we tend to be a little more afraid to talk about death and the afterlife. And after the pandemic, because you know Mambo was certainly born out of the pandemic, you know we I think all experienced losses. I think we all had either known someone who had passed or known multiple people. I know we all lost beloved pets at around the same time. And there was just a natural bubbling up of out of those experiences. Hmm. So the story behind the name of the bar, Mambo is something joyous. Where does a zombie come in? Mambo Zombie is actually a song title from a ah. group called Escorzo. And they're very interesting because it's a mix of musicians from Spain and from Latin America and from the Caribbean. They're a little irreverent. Uh, they have an entire album that's just about cannibalism, for instance. <laughs> but it's also okay. joyful too, right? Like they don't take themselves too seriously, but they put out very good music. And hearing that song over and over and over again, it became sort of an unofficial theme song for what should be going on above Georgia Beer Garden. And that, that eventually just became the name. When you enter the bar, you walk through a glowing pink, casket no subtlety to the (laughs) bars theme there (laughs) would you tell us more about the other macabre decorations we want this bar to be a different space we want it to be and not just a different physical space but we want you to move from this world into a space that connects you to the next world both mentally and emotionally and so I think it's representative. We want you to know that you are going into something different and we want to set the tone very early. And I think with Mambo Zombie, you immediately know what you're getting when you walk in, but it's certainly not the only piece of, uh, of art that's fun in there. Yeah, we've got something interesting to look at everywhere in that space, which uh, is really exciting. And there is definitely a skull motif, you know, uh, obviously which referencing the, the afterlife and the, the death portion of it but it's not horror it's not foreboding there's you know a skeleton llama somewhere in that place and little characters that you know could come across as demonic but they are honestly just having a good time they're more spirits (laughs) i would say than demons devils yes exactly sweet Sweet devils devils. i love that that's also a great cocktail name so thank you for that (laughs) yes for sure (laughs) right Okay, Keisha, I I would love some devil's food, you know, some chocolate in there. (laughs) Oh, just got it. Just saying. (laughs) Lois, if you show up, you could have whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to have all the things. So, and then along with what Brandy was saying with the skulls, our back bar is basically a giant ofrenda, which is a celebration of Day of the Dead. So we have all our spirits up there, which is like, here's an offering of all the booze you could have and drink and enjoy life. But we like to celebrate because we have candles up there 
and it just has this big altar kind of a feel. So it's a, I think the whole bar just kind of celebrates life in a way of celebration at the same time, from the door to the back bar, even all the way through. So it's really, it's really cool to have those things. Your eyes just hit a little bit of everything and it connects. It just connects in that way. So it really is a, a visual experience. You know, we, uh, mm-hmm. we worked with a lot of local artists who were able to help us out. Uh, you know, the front door has got this wonderful masked being that feels otherworldly that Aaliyah Hurst locally made. And uh, we have this beautiful mosaic on the side of the bar, one portion of it that uh, Jennifer Freeman uh, had made, which is amazing. Uh, Andres Palacio did this beautiful mural for us. And I, I think they really helped sort of pull it all together. But if there's a, if you're looking for a feel, it's something in between the movie Coco and uh, maybe a 1970s bar in, let's say, that uh, Grace Jones and, I just forgot his name, that Grace Jones. Telly Savalas. And Telly Savalas would go too. <laughs> I mean, his, his death mask is up there, so we have to remember his name. Yeah, right, that's yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you're looking for interesting pieces, it's probably we have a death mask and it's Telly Savalas. And um, like very few people realize who it is because sadly, very few people, you know, remember Telly. Can recognize Telly Savalas's face from a uh, plaster cast. <laughs> yes, evidently. Didn't he look kind of like Uncle Fester? <laughs> he did. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Oh, you are not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, who loves you, Fester, okay. baby? <laughs> well, I, I just applaud you for engaging local artists. And, and there are murals outside as well. Oh, yes. Uh, those murals are more related to Georgia Beer Garden, but they actually seamlessly work in well. There's also, a, a, we have a, a very large statue in that front courtyard, which is an everyman statue, which in this case is... Uh, solidarity every man since we do so many political events fantastic what would a solidarity every man or in the name of gender equality <laughs> every human every person drink uh, i guess a universal drink that a lot of people go to which is luckily that we carry we do carry a lot of tequila and it's anything like tequila whether you're having a sipper or just doing a shot for some reason or just a really great cocktail tequila is like king and then people moving forward with their palates and getting into mezcal these days so those agave spirits are really on trend i want to say on trend it's been a thing for a while it's been my thing for a while but i see people lately you know getting into those things and really enjoying it. so i think across the board you could find someone like akisha and then someone like a lois though Make me a drink with tequila. <laughs> Let's have a, you know, and, and tequilas are so fun to work with a mezcal because the nuances are so different for a lot of people or whatever. You could make them taste sweet or you could give something that's savory. So I think that's for us, that's a big one. Even though we do do a lot of rum drinks, one of our uh, major cocktails is rum based. So I say right now, across the board, I've had ladies and adult gentlemen who have muscles drink our um, monkey screwed, which is a rum based cocktail. It's a little sweet, but savory. So, you know, it's really hard to tell. I'm glad we, we, we're hitting it on all bases here. So, yeah, but that sounds very intriguing, yeah. the monkey screwed. Oh, yeah. Um, and tell me about the name, please. I got inspired by this cocktail. A friend of mine went to France and went to this tiki bar out there. And he was like, oh, I had this great drink. And 
the name of the drink that they had has nothing to do with the drink that I make, but I just thought it was so clever. So I was, it wasn't called monkey food. It's called a monkey see or something like that. So I took that and played on making a duo of drinks called monkey see monkey screwed because it's like, you know, monkey see monkey do kind of a thing. And I wanted to play with banana and the rums. I play because in the beginning we always said banana daiquiris, like for some reason that was our hitting point of the drinks at this bar will remind you of the, like banana daiquiris. So I wanted to have a drink that was boozy but approachable. And then you feel like, cause there is a floater of like overproof on top of the drink. So you feel like, oh, I'm screwed, but you don't know it till it's too late. <laughs> <Right? Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, you've already had it, you've downed one. It's, it's, it's very balanced. And so you're like, oh man. So you're like monkey screwed. And then to piggyback the tether off of that or whatever tandem uh, drink to that is the monkey sea, which is more of a savory cocktail featuring the same rum that we that I do in house and then you're like monkey see which is still boozy so it's kind of like all right you're screwed we're screwed I see you let's have this drink so that's where it came from for me it's kind of monkey screwed I mean it's a long-winded way to say that but it was that simple (laughs) no I think that's very playful and very interesting Mm -hmm. I noticed looking at your menu there are several non-alcoholic drinks why include those well, I mean, with uh, everybody getting off a pandemic, you know, people were like, apparently that's when people were drinking the most is during the pandemic because we're just either all at home or, I mean, the only thing that was a game in town were package stores or a bar. They were like, yeah, let's do that. So I think going into the next year, I think people are trying to, you know, do better for themselves a little bit. And or just because maybe you don't want to drink all the time, but you still like to hang out and go out to places. So we want to kind of put that into our model. Because, you know, something that's just not like making, oh, I want a non-alcoholic drink and throw some juices together. I want to try to do those things because you juice everything fresh. I'll just start there. (laughs) And then, but also we want to make things that were true to what we do, which is like the tapache and the chicha moreda and uh, alco fresco that we try to feature every week. So I think it was just really important to have those things. You, I get more people now. I will run out of non-alcoholic beverages early because a a lot of people come out and they want to hang out but they don't need to get you know they'll have a beer but then they'll maybe want to be able to cool it for the rest of the night so I think it's just super important to leave it open for um, those people out there like it's okay to still come out with your friends without being or you're the designated driver that night you know yeah no I I think it's very inclusive and it shows a lot of thought that you're willing to put the same creativity into the non-alcoholic drinks oh yeah these these things are just as festive as the cocktails and Keisha did a lot of research when it comes to just really 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 old school ways of treating some some of the fruits that are native to kind of the Mesoamerican region you know the pineapples and you know that the tapache is made from you know it's using husks it's using uh, the core of the pineapple as well things a lot of people aren't as familiar with. And these are, you know, techniques and classic drinks from, you know, pre-Incan empire days, which I am not a history major, so I do not know when that was. They didn't have juicers <laughs> in pre-Incan days? <laughs> well, no. Well, they, yeah, they, they would go through and evidently use like purple corn. And, you know, I, for me, it was a a revelation to have some of these drinks that Keisha's made that are just as delicious as the ones with alcohol to not have alcohol. And, you know, I think what her, her emphasis on everything being fresh has been 
I think really just changes everything when it comes to that menu. Yeah, if I have a bumper sticker that I use over and over again, it's it's that you know we don't buy sugarcane juice, we buy sugarcane. You know, Keisha made sure we had a sugarcane juicer behind the bar, and I can't think of another place in Atlanta that has that right now. I was eager to ask about that, Keisha. Why do you juice? That is in the verbs, and why do you juice real sugar canes instead of buying the sugar cane syrup? I mean, okay, it's a hundred percent difference. And don't get me wrong, like I bought sugarcane juice from like a farmer's market and it's fine. But, you know, after a day or two, it's still fine, but it loses kind of like this really nice thing about it. So when you're able to get someone order a drink, even if it's just straight sugarcane juice or the cocktail that we use with it called the Madame Gorgeous, by the way, fresh sugarcane juice just looks, it's just really, it's just bright. It's fresh. It's still a little vegetable, not kind of sweet as you think it would be. You just have that, even just right out the juicer, it's phenomenal. And the look on people's faces when you run that thing through, it's like, ah, huh, look at that show. <laughs> you know, so right. it's just, it's just kind of, it's really amazing to kind of, because nobody doesn't really see it that often. So you just press out this fresh juice like you're on a, a beach somewhere, but you're in the middle of Edgewood Avenue, you know? So it kind of transports you a little bit to like that last cruise you took somewhere or somewhere. I don't know. But I think it's just super important when we have that there. I thought it would just be, a really great way to showcase things that like, hey, we're doing it for real here. We're not trying to give you the shortcut. We care about how our flavor profiles come off and what, um, I'm very super proud of that. I think um, it just makes me excited when people get excited when I turn that sugar cane juice on. So I'm here for it. Hmm. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes speaking with Mambo Zombie partners Keisha Cyrus, Johnny Martinez, and Brandon Lay. I read that you are of Jamaican heritage, and I wondered if it was some sort of tribute to your background. Uh, yeah, on a lot of levels, yes, because I know when I was a kid and I would go back to Jamaica for the summer, sugarcane was always part of like whatever. I mean, we didn't have it all the time, but there used to be a guy in my grandmother's neighborhood that would have a cart and he would come from where he had, and he would just have fresh sugar cane, like sugar cane right off of the plantation, whatever, off the fields. And just, you know, he's going down the street and he'll stop like an ice cream man, which is crazy to think of that and have it like old school, crank it out and either he'll juice it or he'll chop it up where you could chew on a stick, you know, just kind of have like that fresh bite of sugar cane. And I just remember that when I was a kid, I just thought it was it's a really great memory because that was when you knew my summer had begun. I'm out of New York, back in Jamaica, and this is it. It was just good stuff all the time. And I drank sugarcane juice a lot when I was a kid. You know, you get older, those things fall to the wayside, but then, you know, nostalgia kicks in. And when we had an opportunity to open this bar, it was like legitimately, I think I looked at Brandon, I was like, sugarcane juicer? You know, <laughs> so, it was kind of like, so, and luckily, you know, they let, you know, they gave me the freedom to make those choices. And, um, to, you know, instead of reeling it back in. So I think it's very part, and it's not just Jamaican culture, but a lot of, you know, South American culture is the same way. So it ties into all of us on that level. So it's not like we're Jamaican, but then also somebody from Mexico knows that. I've spoken to people from South America, I'm like, yeah, I did this all the time as a kid. I love it. And Port Puerto Rico is like everything. So I like that connective tissue with that one juicer brings to a lot of people. It's just really cool. 
Oh, I like that description, connective yeah. tissue. Oh, Lois. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest thing anyone could do was rein in or reel back Keisha Cyrus. You just let her go. 100%. Amazing things will always happen. And anytime Keisha Cyrus looks at me and goes, ask me a question like this, I know it's going to be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Steven Spielberg is the Keisha Cyrus of directors. What? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like he, uh, she can give you seriousness and it's something that is just so leveled and nuanced and there's so much going on. And she can also give you something that's just straightforward joy but also simple, right? I, I actually, it's funny, I, the Madam Gorgeous has become, I think, one of my favorites and there's not a lot in it, but it's just so perfectly blended and well-crafted that it's, uh, you just, I just keep going back to it over and over again. Yeah, this is, this is a love fest. I really adore this conversation. <laughs> it's really, it's really cool. I mean, working with these two have been a joy for the last 10 or so years, maybe. And it's been a great that, you know, we have such a great working relationship and personal relationship, you know, you don't get to be around people for this long and still have fun just hanging out together. So the fact that we're in this thing together is, is fantastic. It's like one of the better parts of my um, professional career, so to speak. So uh, I'm totally going to dig in for, for us when it comes to this bar. Okay. I don't know if this was the idea of the Steven Spielberg of mixology <laughs> or Brandon, if it was yours or Johnny's idea, but I saw that when you offer snacks, among those snacks will be dried crickets. Ah. That, that is a Keisha Cyrus original there. Okay. Tell us more. Well, it was just a play on something, you know, in Mexico, they have those cricket snacks that you either and they do it in a guacamole or tacos. And I would by no means call myself anything a chef or a cook. <laughs> I mean, that's where it falls short. But learning from some chefs that I've talked to and just seeing things and again, research and just finding out flavors. You know, I've worked in kitchens and restaurants before. So I was like, I think I'm gonna try to play with that. And I think because of what we're doing, the cricket snack thing just kind of was something I just thought about because I, I worked at a chef a while back and shout out to Andy Gonzalez over the companion. And he did something that he got from somewhere. And I, he was like, that's not really his thing. But I was like, how about if I try to do this way, talking to him. And I just decided to do it in a Chex Mix kind of a way. That way it's not too much of just, just the crickets. You still have Chex Mix. So it's really just sort of a little snacky thing we were working on. It was just fun and cute. A lot of people get turned off by it, but some people are really all about it. And I love it when people are going in, you know, head first on a snack. It's seasoned well, it's done right, it's crispy. You you can never tell. <laughs> you never know. So you'll be fine. So. Wait, but are you going to let people know that there are crickets in oh, the Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, of course. Of course. Always. It's in the description. I mention it right away because again, people they're not too open to a lot of things, which is fine. But we definitely let them know that the flavors are there, what it's about, why we do it what our thought process was behind doing it. So we never just surprise people like, ah, here yeah, you go, crickets. <laughs> the flavors just jump into your mouth. So yeah, it was just a way to pay homage to, you know, Mexico and, and the little bit what besides our drinks, but also in like the little food offerings that we give. So that's really just where that came from. But we will get actual snacks soon. So yeah, actual snacks. And what <laughs> what might those be, Johnny? 
if we're actually going to be partnering up with, uh, uh, with Justin Dixon at Humble Mumble, we, uh, we, we love working with other people. We like finding people who are doing interesting things, uh, creative things, and are doing it well. He is actually long-term going to be coming into Beer Garden to be redoing the entire menu there in March. So he's coming up with some additional snacks for us that we have uh, sampled and picked out a few. Uh, simple things. It's not a place that you go to sit down and have a meal. It is a place for you to have uh, a conversation with your friends and just have a good time and, uh, you know, snack here and there. So uh, you might see some tinned fish. You know, you're definitely going to see uh, a simple sandwich of some sort, but with, again, quality ingredients, uh, a mix of, say, olives and boiled peanuts to kind of honor the South that we're in. And at the same time, you know, traditional like, Spanish tapas. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And then, like Johnny said, we're, we're definitely a cocktail bar first. We want people to come have a good time, but if you, you know, we're able to offer them something as a light snack, either after their dinner or before they go out to dinner. But, you know, we want to be able to cater to that person's needs of like, maybe they need a little nosh before they head out or something. So it won't be a big deal. It's fun. Keisha, you had an extensive career in the club and bar industry before this job. How has it been for you stepping into the leadership role at Mambo Zombie? Uh, it's been challenging in some way, but I mean, very exciting. I got to tell you, like when I'm not working, I feel <laughs> just not out of sorts, but you know, like I feel like I need to be doing something. So the fact that I get to really get in my hands on um, and don't get me wrong, all the places I've worked before, I've been a bar manager where I'm completely involved, but not really my thing, or I've just been a cog in a wheel, just kind of there and making drinks, which is also awesome. And sometimes you need to step back to move forward. But this has been great. I mean, it's just really fun to challenge myself in some ways, because it is a lot. And I'm learning a lot from Johnny and Brandon, because they've been, you know, owning a business is one thing, you know, and then plus you own it and you work it and you you try to be creative at the same time. It's a lot of things to fill. So like I say, it's just kind of been challenging, but I like the challenge. I can't, I don't know if I was not doing anything right now, how bored <laughs> I would be. I just, I just don't like to be super complacent. I mean, I'm very quiet in my movements, but when something happens, it, it kicks off. I'm just, it's like, it's go time, you know? So it's very, it's just been really exciting this last year and a half or, however long we started this endeavor, this project. And I'm really um, stoked on it. It's just kind of something I've always wanted to do. I never really thought I would own a bar, but I like this part of it because it's our rules. They're like how I want to do it. I never want to feel like it was work all the time. And for me, this doesn't feel like it. Like even days when I should be not working, I have to go in and be in the space to give my juices flowing, you know? So I think that's that's a good sign for me. That feels great. Keisha, Keisha's very humble too, because she is committed on a level that's really, she's always there. And uh, Keisha, I'm just going to say this. We almost lost Keisha on Friday. Oh my God. We what? almost lost Keisha. She had, a, you know, she had a reaction to something she'd eaten and had to go to the ER. And it was- uh, Oh, was it a cricket? <laughs> <laughs> no, was, oh my God. Right. But no. then after sitting in the ER for hours and hours and hours- she went into the bar and was working because that's that's the level of commitment that Keisha Cyrus brings to something. Yeah, Keisha Cyrus is full throttle all the time. And so when I'm pushing her to make sweet devils, something with a little chocolate in it for you, trust me, it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> great. 
and chocolate, which is a very Mesoamerican ingredient. So it works yes. perfectly with our theme. It's universal. I'm, I'm excited for her new menu because just hearing her talk about some of the things that she's working on is they're just, they're interesting, they're unique, and you know they're going to be t- delicious as well. Well, Johnny, before we go, would you or you, Brandon and Keisha, like to give our listeners a sneak preview of Mambo Zombie's restroom? <laughs> I, I think we could all talk about that. No. Yeah, that, well, there's two of them. And so one of them is definitely for everyone. For, and there's one that's more for the strong, for those who are not weak at heart. If there is one part of the bar that's a little more uh, horror-ific, <laughs> it would be our, uh, our baby doll bathroom or restroom. It is definitely at least inspired by the island of those dolls in Mexico City. You know, that's there were the, uh, how would you call those things? The uh, canals. The floating gardens. The floating gardens. And yeah. <laughs> it is not for the weak at heart. We can't say for certain whether any of those baby dolls are haunted. We can't. <laughs> but it does seem likely. I've been laughed at by those dolls. So this is not like baby like changing tables. <laughs> no, I would not leave my no. baby or anyone's baby in there alone. <laughs> yeah, no. no. Not at all. I've seen adult men walk out of that bathroom. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, with a, just a loud, oh, just men going, nope, no, thank you. And walk right back out. So yeah. that's my favorite reaction when people open the door and say, no, uh-uh, no. Nope. Is there another bathroom? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun and unique in there. But no indication as to which is which. So good luck. Mambo Zombie Partners, Brandon Lay, Keisha Cyrus, and Johnny Martinez. The theme bar is open above the Georgia Beer Garden on Edgewood Avenue. And more information is on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. In a moment, we'll hear about the Roswell Roots Festival, which kicks off this Sunday, January 29th. Amplifying Atlanta, this is WABE. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. 
This year, the city of Roswell, collaborating with Roswell Roots and community partners, will hold its 21st annual Roswell Roots Festival in honor of Black History Month. The month-long observance will feature flagship events such as Lyrics and Lyre, the spirit of Harriet Tubman, and the Black Opry Review, created to educate and entertain the community about cultural and historic contributions of African Americans. There will also be storytelling and drumming, theatrical performance and spoken word, and more. Joining me now via Zoom to talk more about the festival are spoken word artist Ashley Hayes and Corinne Sutherland, Roswell Cultural Arts Supervisor of Recreation, Parks, Historic and Cultural Affairs. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Corinne, you've been working with the Roswell Roots Festival since 2018. Why is this festival exciting for you to present? Not only is it exciting because of the abundance of entertainment and talent that comes to the city, but it's exciting because it's educational. It brings the community together from all walks of life for all ages to come out and learn something new or maybe refresh on something that they might have known before. How has this festival adjusted since the onset of the pandemic? Well, we definitely all had to pivot as a whole, but something that came new to us is transitioning some of our previous events to something that's a little more virtual friendly. Um, we have some opportunities that now are for the younger audience, like our Brain Bowl. We are inviting middle school students to engage in challenging head-to-head -head trivia for Black history. Uh, that's something that used to be an in-person fair, and now we're able to accommodate a broader audience that way. Most of our events will be in person this year, and there are some opportunities to reach out to some of the speakers and see some of their art virtually as well. So most of them will be in person. Some of our audience numbers will be a little bit smaller, so we've definitely pivoted to have more intimate settings for the community as well. Ashley, I'm impressed with your poems and by how many Poetry Slam competitions you've won. You are the queen. <laughs> Quite yeah, honor. they say that. <laughs> How did you come to work with the Roswell Roots Festival? I've been with Roswell Roots for some years, actually. Back in the day, they used to have an annual poetry slam as a part of the festival. So I started by going to that poetry slam. It was on my calendar every February. I got to work with some amazing Atlanta area poets, Teresa Davis, Mr. Fun, John Good. So many people were there. 
And so after the slam stopped, I think they weren't able to really find a new host. Corinne actually found me and she said, hey, I've heard that you used to be involved with the festival. Would you be interested in coming back in some capacity? And so she and I have been working together. This is our second year. And she really, I I owe you a lot, Corinne, because you really just let me sort of brainstorm and create these new concepts that aren't the traditional slam. But I love where we're headed with this. So I've been with Roswell for a long time. Your event, Lyrics and Liar, will kick off the festival. Please tell us about the evening of music and spoken word. Yes, so Lyrics and Lear, um, January 29th, is going to be an evening of collaboration. And so I have four artist collaborations between one musician and one poet. So I'll be paired with Tasia Veal. She and I are going to open the show. Then you will hear from Carrie Durham and Adan Bean. Carrie Durham is a fantastic violinist and Adan Bean is a poet and also a rapper. Then you'll hear a collaboration from Mia S. Willis, who is a queer non-gender conforming poet practicing in Atlanta. And you'll hear from Rain, who is our harpist, the Lear and Lyrics and Lear. And then for our finale, you will hear from John Good and O. Corey Johnson, OK Cello, a fantastic cellist. John Good is the host of The Moth. So the audience is in for a show that is just full of wonder and curiosity and philosophy and poetry and absolutely brilliant art, brilliant music. Corinne, how do you go about putting together the festival events each year? Well, as you can tell by our extensive calendar, it is quite an undertaking for all of us. So between the Roswell Recreation Parks Historic and Cultural Affairs Department, we also have a committee of local volunteers that advise and bring some of the acts and activities and artists to the table. So we actually start a debrief right in March and April, and we start looking for new acts and events to bring to Roswell for the next year. So it is a year round process. And by the time it's October, we usually have our calendar pretty confirmed by that point. So we can start our extensive, very large marketing push. So it is a long year of planning right after the last one finishes. What are some of the event highlights planned for this year? We have our cultural spotlight series, which kicked off with Roswell Roots a few years ago. It's a series that highlights authors, artists, community contributors, local business workers, um, people that can bring their experience to an intimate setting for the community. So we have a few authors this year, Burdell Jackson, Sharon Vines, and also an artist talk with former NBA player Joe Barry Carroll, who actually has the first curated exhibit at Mimosa Hall this year. Oh, I love Joe Barry Carroll's work both his paintings and his writing. This year, the festival will present The Spirit of Harriet Tubman, performed by Leslie McCurdy. How would you describe this show? Well, it's a one-woman show, which is really exciting because that takes a lot of effort and energy from a performer to come out. So we're very excited to have an appropriate all-age 
theatrical opportunity for the community. And we are presenting this as a school show. So we have two separate shows that will be happening on Friday, February 3rd at 10 a.m. And then another one on Saturday at 10 a.m. February 4th. So there's an opportunity to bring your class by. We have tickets that are good for groups and school field trips and things like that. But this is one of those special occasions where we don't have a large theatrical performance. It's a more educational and intimate setting with one performer in our large theater space. Why is it important to continue to tell the story of Harriet Tubman? Well, I think for, especially with this festival, it's a very important story and a very important person. And this year, we try to strive to hit a lot of different Uh, thematic points, education, arts, cultural performance, local history. And I think this is a larger scale conversation of a natural and national history of someone who brought such an importance, especially in our very own backyard. Ashley, your book Smoke came out in 2020. What can you tell us about this body of work? So Smoke was actually released during the pandemic and poems from Smoke will appear during the performance. And this is a book about going through grief, how to handle heartbreak, how to really process it, but more importantly, how to get to the other side, how to find your own identity, how to name yourself, how to figure out what you want from the world and and not just accept philosophies or outdated traditions that have been handed to you. So Smoke really is a a coming of age story of a girl who rescues herself from a relationship that had gone way past its time and then finds herself creating a new world for herself. The theme for Black History Month 2023 is Black Resistance, exploring how African-Americans have resisted historic and ongoing oppression. Mm -hmm. How does your festival address the topic of Black resistance? Well, we actually have a few things that are highlighting the uh, specific African-American life and history, the thematic part is going to be with Stand, a Rosal Ridge Juried exhibit. We have local artists that have applied to bring their art in, a judge that's looking through all of them. We had a lot of applications come through, so that was an exciting time to see a lot of talented artists from the local metro area. And we also have inspired a student art exhibit that's a partnership with our Fulton County schools here in Roswell. Almost all of the schools have contributed a canvas, and each school has highlighted a specific story or person with a contribution to Black resistance. Spoken word artist Ashley Hayes and Roswell Cultural Arts Supervisor Corinne Sutherland. The month-long Roswell Roots celebration begins this Sunday, January 29th. More information is on our website wabe.org slash citylights. Coming up, our series Speaking of Music today features the Warsaw Clinic amplifying Atlanta. This is 90.1 WABE. This 
This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. Time now for our series, Speaking of Music, where we get to hear from Atlanta musicians in their own words. Hi, I'm Austin. And I'm Chris. And we are members of the Warsaw Clinic, your local Atlanta brutal blues band serving you the finest quality rock and roll since 2015. The Warsaw Clinic came together as a group of childhood friends uh, that grew up playing together in the church band and various other bands and uh, almost eight years later we're still uh, we're still rocking out and uh, having a great time playing where we can, when we can, to whoever we can. We're from here. We're from Atlanta. We're all born and raised in Georgia, so... Uh, we all grew up here in the metro area, and uh, the influence that the city, you know, has had—not necessarily the city itself, but just the region of uh, being from the South and uh, the state of Georgia—has a pretty rich rock and roll history, especially Southern rock, with the Allman Brothers being from Macon. We we like to think that our uh, our influence comes from the fact that we are from the South and we have, you know, like I said, brutal blues. It's a little bit of uh, your standard Southern rock and roll. And, uh, you know, make it just a little bit more heavier and angrier and you got what we are. The thing that keeps the Warsaw Clinic moving and uh, creating fresh and new stuff would be, you know, the, the chase to find or write the next best song. Every song we write, we try to make it the best one that we, uh, the one that we can write in that moment in time, and uh, we don't release anything unless we think it's great. The Atlanta music scene is a is a really cool, unique one. Everybody here is uh, super welcoming, and so you know the chance to play with new bands and uh, meeting new people and playing at new venues. We've been doing it eight years almost, and we still meet new people. We really enjoy that connecting, and it's really awesome to see. The music community, as strong as it is here in Atlanta, like I said, we got something unique here. It's uh, it's not like any other major city's rock scene. Second song we've submitted is uh, "City Living." We always say that it, you know, it's kind of about the great city of Atlanta. But you know, the story behind the song is you, you think you got it all. You know, you're living in the city. It's glamorous. It's fun. You know, it's fast paced. But you know, it's not always free. And uh, sometimes you got to give 
give a little bit, whether it's a little bit of yourself or a little bit of your time or a little bit of your money, it's a ball. We've had a blast. But, uh, you know, you got to pay your dues. When it comes to uh, catching a show in the city, uh, some of the best venues to do that, at least to catch some local music, would be venues like The Earl in East Atlanta. There's a couple of venues there that that really do a good job at showcasing and booking Atlanta acts. Across the street, you have 529. Uh, Next door to um, Flatiron there, you have Sabbath, Sabbath Brewing. They've opened up a pretty cool soundstage there for uh, bands to play. Um, the other side of town, you got like Bog Social. Mm-hmm. To, uh, Star Bar is always a good. One. Star Bar yeah. is our little five home. We uh, we love Star Bar. It's a uh, special place, and uh, they also do a really good job at uh, showcasing really great music. So you can catch the Warsaw Clinic. We'll be out and about. we got a lot of shows booked here. But uh, coming up, where are we playing, Chris? Tin Roof will be uh, February 3rd, Friday. February Solar 3rd. Lunatic, absolutely. Yeah, good friends of ours. Good good local Atlanta band, high energy. We love those guys. And then, uh, yeah, the Masquerade will be next weekend, Saturday the 11th. Saturday the 11th, the Masquerade, absolutely. We'll be in hell. So we're, we're headlining that night, so if you can. Go ahead and get your ticket in advance, but we'll be at uh, the Masquerade on February 11th. And what else we got? Yeah, Motorheads. They'll be uh, what is it, March 10th? Yeah, Motorheads. It's so a little always a great time. It's outside there. the city, y'all. Uh, y'all come come out OTP. Don't be scared and hang out at a biker bar, Motorheads. It's uh, it's always a really good time. So uh, other than the shows we've got, we have a single, Consider Me Done. It's uh, it's coming out. It'll be out on February 10th. So uh, you'll be able to catch that on iTunes, Spotify, um, anywhere you stream your music. We recently did a video for the song. So you can catch Consider Me Done between now and February 10th on YouTube. If you go to Now Dig This, you can go ahead and listen to it. But on February 10th, you can get it everywhere you stream your music. So go get it. Austin Robb and Chris Parker of the Warsaw Clinic. More information about the band, as well as our entire Speaking of series, is on our website, wabe.org slash speaking of. Valentine's Day, the holiday of love. You might want to tell someone you love them with flowers, candy, or perhaps a nice dinner. If you're aiming for an innovative idea, look no further. You can declare your love in the little Five Points neighborhood with a spray-painted heart. How it works is you go to our website, purchase a heart, with a message that you want to give to your partner or whoever, or you can put a logo on there 
and our muralist, who is Rolf, will paint that message on a heart on the mural. That was Kelly Stocks, the president of the Little Five Points Business Association. She said the heart mural was created to raise money for the community. That money is used for security, public safety, and neighborhood improvements. The best part and the most special part about this to me is when people surprise their partner with this. Watching the reactions just makes it such a happy, positive, feel-good kind of neighborhood event. And my favorite, favorite is when we see the older couples. And we've had a couple couples that have been together for 50 years or more. And watching their reactions is just priceless. The mural will be unveiled on February 14th, starting at 4.30 p.m. The deadline to purchase a heart is February 1st, and more information is available at l5pbiz.com slash heartmural. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Monday at 11 a.m., Matthew Booth, the owner of Videodrome, tells us the story behind the iconic Atlanta video store. Plus, the creatives with the Silver Scream Spook Show describe their upcoming performance and screening of the 1933 classic King Kong. If you missed part of today's show, like my earlier conversation with the owners of the theme bar Mambo Zombie, you could catch up through our podcast or on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. There you will find our complete archive of interviews, so you can listen to City Lights on your schedule. Our theme music is the first time written and performed by Joe Granston with his jazz band, courtesy of Hot Shoe Records. City Lights senior producer is Kim Drobes. Our producers are Summer Evans and Janine Etter, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzes. We'd love for you to connect with City Lights on social media. We're at WABE City Lights on both Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening to WABE Atlanta. Ever wondered where to find the best dumplings in town? Curious about Atlanta's obsession with lemon pepper? Join us on Savory Stories, a new podcast as we uncover the untold tales behind Atlanta's culinary scene. From the roots of your favorite dishes to the creators that bring them to life, we're diving deep into the heart of the city's food culture. Listen to Savory Stories at wabe.org slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? 
This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnerbarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E.